What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. On today's episode, we're, of course, going to talk about the Bulls' loss to the Philadelphia 76ers and one of the surprising trends that have happened with this team so far in the seven games that they've played. We're also going to dive into the mailbag to answer your voicemails, and we're going to do so right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, so as many of you guys who know by now, the Bulls, have uh, they lost last night to the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that was very much winnable, even down the stretch, them taking the lead briefly in the fourth quarter. But one of the more surprising things that Raiders had in this uh, game uh, that's really been a trend for the Chicago Bulls team so far this season is that, uh, uh, like I said, this, uh, this stat was completely surprising to me. Well, not in a way, but the Bulls are negative 30 points in first quarters that played this season in the all other th- Three quarters of the game, they are plus 37. That means that not only are they having to fight hard to erase those deficits, they're expounding extra energy. When you already look at the energy and effort that they have to give defensively throughout the whole game because we don't have the best defenders throughout the roster, that's just that's just a deficit that's just too hard for most teams to overcome. To be negative 30 in the first quarters for this season so far and, and plus 37 in all of the quarters, What that tells me is that if the Bulls maintain that intensity and set the tone in the first quarters of the games, that these games will look completely different for the Chicago Bulls. Now, again, other trends would develop if that even did happen, but it's still an interesting thing to look at. We do have a voicemail uh, later in the show about the starters needing to set the tone, but this just brings all that home. But in this game, right, there are are some positives you want to take away from it, a, a lot of negatives you want to take away from it, but at the end of the day, the Bulls did erase that deficit. They briefly took the lead in the fourth quarter. They just did not get the job done. And even in this game, looking at the stats, Nikola Vucevic outplayed Joel Embiid this game. He is maintaining that tone that he set and the the, the renaissance he's having with his career so far, uh, you know, in, in the season, in his career with the Chicago Bulls and just playing well on both sides of the ball at some at points, being the best player on the court last uh, last game, last night in that game against, against the uh, 76ers. He chipped in in this game, uh, 23 points, 19 rebounds, three assists, one steal. He did have four turnovers and four fouls, but again, playing against Joel Embiid, that's going to happen. But Vooch is just playing great so far this season. I don't want that to go overlooked, even in this game. And I know people who box score watch and things like that aren't going to think that Vooch had the impact that he does. But Vooch has been playing ball on both sides of the ball so far this season. And it's great to see. We just need the other things to come along in this game. DeMar DeRozan in this game, 20 points in the first half. Only four points in the second half. And one of the things that developed in this game as well that we're going back to from last season when the, when the Bulls got out to that deficit early is players were just watching DeMar DeRozan go to work. Now, except Vooch. But that's one of the things with this team that is so frustrating and maddening is that we're seeing that we have success when we move the ball. We're seeing that we have success when we move off the ball. We are creating space, creating opportunities, and we're not maintaining that throughout the game. And then we're getting out to these huge deficits that we just don't overcome. Now, Zach in this game, 8 for 19 in this game, uh, 20 points scored. He did uh, two rebounds, three assists in this game. He had two turnovers, four personal fouls as well. And a lot of things people are going to talk about when it comes to him is the is the missed two shots in the clutch. You know, he's going to give his detractors a lot of things to talk about in those times. Alex Caruso being the starter out here, he was two for five. He got to the free throw line. And then we got another P-Will game. Not passive P, we got a P-Will game. He was two for five from the field overall. But he was four for four from the free throw line, and he got to that free throw line because he was being active, chipping in, chipping in as well. Three rebounds, one steal, one block, 
and nine points overall in this game from P. Will. 32 minutes played for him. This is the most minutes he's played in probably the last five games. So, again, earning more confidence there. Like I said, if you want to take the thing, the positives away from it, you can get that. And we were in this game missing two of our key players in the rotation, Io DeSumo and Andre Drummond. This game, even with the first quarter deficit, takes on a whole new look if you still have Andre Drummond, who's also able to get double-digit rebounds in the game. Now, Kobe White, who's supposed to be our scorer off the bench, our shooter off the bench, he was 3-for-9 in this game, 1-for-4 for, for three-point range. At this point, I don't even know if Kobe White can shoot threes anymore. I just don't know if he can shoot threes at the rate that we expected him to be able to shoot it when he initially came in the NBA. It, all the signs are pointing to, that's just not going to be a weapon in his toolbox the way that we once thought it was going to be. Javante, Derek Jones Jr. bringing in um, you know, their usual activity and playing well overall from there. But this team just did not have enough. Another thing in this game that, you know, it kind of bodes well for the people who um, say that Dalen Terry needs to get in more, the people who say he needs to get in less. Dalen Terry got three minutes in this game. He got in in the first quarter, and in those, he looked timid. He looked out of place. He looked like he didn't know what he wanted to do. And I'm not blaming that all on Dalen Terry. If you're going to need to rely on Dalen Terry, even if injuries come in, because injuries are going to be a part of the season, you need to get him minutes in crunch time and whatever. I'm not crunch time, in garbage time, whatever else it is. Because now when, when we actually needed him to play minutes in this game, he just was not ready. And it was evident out there. He took two shots. They were wild shots. He looked out of place. He looked like he didn't know where he was going to be defensively. And again, for a rookie against a team like Philly, and that's your first game getting in early in the game, it, that's a lot to ask. And while I don't think Dalen Terry needs to be a huge part of our rotation quite yet, I definitely think that Dalen Terry should be able and should be getting you know, six, eight minutes a game. And part of that also is the Bulls need to hold on to leads. They need to not get out to deficits. They need to have games clearly won in the fourth quarter to where you can get him in because guess what? When you have an injury, and God forbid it's one or two injuries just at the guard position, you're going to need Dalen Terry to play. And what this showed you is that while, yes, in the preseason, in summer league, he showed the energy, he showed the activity, he showed getting in the passing lanes, he showed the passing ability, all that, all that stuff. When the lights are on, it's different in the NBA. And yes, while he's learning, he's growing through practice, things like that. He may even get a G League stint here and there. Dalen Terry needs to be playing more than what he has been for sure because we needed him last night. And what he offers on the court could have really, I'm not going to say changed the game, could have very well been needed, but we didn't have it because he wasn't ready. Because this was a, a t against a team that is very heavy and has depth at that guard position, and we just didn't have it. And also in this game, the Bulls allowing, again, the three-point shooting. The, the 76ers in just the first half of this game having 10 three-pointers. That is 30 points. 30 points just from threes in the first half of the game. You need to touch. You need, they need to get that in hand. The defensive intensity of this team needs to maintain. Yes, we were missing Io. We were missing Drummond. Those are two really big, important pieces for us in the team overall, but especially on the defensive end. But at the same time, like I said, Zach Levine did step it up defensively this game. He absolutely did. I expected Maxi to cook us this game. He didn't. Maxi was 5 for 14 for 14 points. If you got to take 14 shots to get 14 points, that's not an efficient night. James Harden was 2 for 13 in this game. Now, he did get to the free throw line a bunch because the refs did not swallow their whistle, and that's another thing you're going to hear a lot of things about the officiating in this game as well, which are valid also. But him, 13 shots to get 15 points. We controlled that. Like, I expected the fact that Maxi and Harden combined for only 29 points, I wouldn't expect it coming into this game. Or if you told me that would have happened, I would have thought, oh, well, then the Bulls got the win. It did not because the Bulls, once again, letting role players, Nang, go off 15 points. He was three for four from the three-point range. A Melton going off 
Four for eight overall from the field, chipping in 10 points from the bench. They did a pretty good job on Embiid, who did have 25 points, but considering how Embiid has torched us in other games, that's not too bad. Now, he did hit the game-winning shot, so shout out to him there. The Bulls played throughout the game pretty well defensively. Not amazing, pretty well, but that first quarter deficit is going to be hard for any team to overcome. The thing that this team needs to look at, that this, that this team needs to work on, is getting those first quarters in order, because that stat, the Bulls being negative 30 in first quarters this season, that's a scary stat. That's a scary trend, even though it's only been seven games. And while the sky, are, sky is falling, Bulls fans are very much out right now. You're giving them more things to talk about and be valid on when you're playing like that to start your game off. The Bulls got to tighten this up. They absolutely have to tighten up. They have to figure it out because we need to see better play from this team throughout. They're going to have to maintain a full four quarters of solid basketball. But that's my thoughts on that. Let me know what you think about it down below. But this is Saturday. It's the mailbag episode. I'm sorry, it's Sunday. It's the weekend. It's the mailbag episode. So we're going to get into the first voicemail. This one's from Shay. What's up, fans? This is Shay. You know, I was thinking that the starters might need to set a little bit better tone to start the game out. Now, look, I know we got a lot of good scores off of our bench. But in the same breath, I think that we depend on them a little bit too much in terms of, you know, doing what they do, which is a good defense. I mean, yeah, it worked against a lot of good teams. A lot of games, even two of the games, well, actually three of the games that we lost now since we lost the Spurs. But uh, you do this against a good legitimate team, they're going to really hurt us pretty bad. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right, Shay coming in with the starters needing to set the tone. Absolutely. When you look at this team, right, the one thing that, that is maintained is that the, the energy just changes when the bench comes in the game. It does. Even Caruso being in that starting lineup didn't really bring that same intensity into the start. Like, whatever it is, they have to figure out how to set that tone from on both sides of the ball. We know we can score. We can score with anybody. Having Vooch, having DeMar, having Zach, Isles' improvements on the offensive end so far this season when he's out there. We know we can score. Scoring is not going to be the Chicago Bulls thing. It's going to be how well they can maintain the other team from scoring. And while we have a top 15 defense at one point, uh, the last two games definitely have dropped us a lot. In this league, we need to tighten up defensive. We need to keep in that defensive intensity. And I know it's tiring. And we'll see how it goes for the team over in the season. But we find success when we play defense, when we get out in transition. The starters just don't do that to start the game. One thing that we have seen from this team so far is that once the, deep, the the bench sets that defensive tone, the starters usually come in and they maintain that. They may drop off in the third quarter again, but by the fourth quarter, it's back up. But why can't we maintain that tone, that energy defensively throughout four quarters of basketball? Once the Bulls start doing that, you're going to see this trend in the wins drastically shift, drastically shift. But it has to be proven. They can't just do it and, and we can't just expect it to happen. It sounds easy, right? It sounds effortless. It sounds like it's something that could just happen. But they have to go out there and prove it. They have to go out there and play it. They have to go out there and live it. This team needs to look at themselves only seven games into the season and figure out what do they want their identity to be. That was the thing that they were supposed to be building in training camp. It's building an identity, building a culture. And while the culture in the Chicago Bulls organization has changed a lot recently, we like that winning culture. We need to build that in the Bulls now. Don't play a game again until Tuesday. They have two days off before they're back Tuesday, today, tomorrow. They need to figure it out. Because I'm telling you, while the Brooklyn Nets are struggling, especially defensively, you can't have a, de a defensive effort in the first quarter like the Bulls have been having so far. Yes, the starters need to set that tone. 
The starters need to they need to call people out. They, and the first ones they need to call out is themselves. They have to lock in defensively four quarters of basketball. They have to do it. All right, let's get into this next one. This one's from Ricky Carroll. Hey, this is Ricky Carroll. You know, I was just wondering, since you guys were talking, it should be something that can be done about these NBA officials when they wrong, when they flat wrong, man, and the players or coaches stand up and say something about it, they can get checked or they can get stole off the game for complaining about something that's wrong. There should be something that's going to be done about this. That game was ridiculous, man. The Bulls got beat. They didn't lose the game. And something should be able to be said about this, man. These officials and some of the things they're doing and with the NBA, what they're getting away with, is totally ridiculous, man. Totally ridiculous. And if you sit there and just think about it, your boy Billy was kind of blew the game tonight, too. Man, let me tell you something, okay? If you out there busting your ass, Sliding on, on floor, trying to get loose balls and shit, and players jumping on top of you and knocking you down, and your coach is not standing up for you. That shit that you, if that Billy on the sideline, don't you call that standing up for your ball player? If that would have been stop, Coach Miami, explosive, if that would have been any other coach, even Tom Tibolo, if that would have been one of, uh, where he's gone, not the coach from Boston. But, you know, even uh, some of the coach, Indiana coach, as laid back and quiet as he is, there's some coaches just ain't going to put up with that. And why would you bust your ass and kill yourself for somebody who ain't going to stand up for you? That can sit there and talk all that Billy shit all that I want to, but it's totally ridiculous, man. You fight for somebody who fight for you. You get out there, you bust your ass, and you kill yourself for somebody who's going to stand up for you. You're not going to stand up for nobody, man. And somebody's going to kill stuff for you. Why? That's like being in the game, and you're in this game because you do something wrong. The leader of the game, because you do something wrong, he want to kill you and get you out there busting your ass and hustling for him for somebody else. Think about what I'm saying, bro. The referees took this game. I don't put it any kind of way y'all want to. Peace. All right, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of people who talk about officiating, and it's valid, right? And the thing is, is, is we can we can complain, we can complain, we can complain, we can bitch, we can moan. I just I just melded three words together in one word. But nonetheless, we can we can do all of that. But the NBA has to hold these refs accountable. It's all fine when you come out the next day and say, oh, by the way, yeah, the ref should have made this call, the ref should have made that call, the ref should have made this call. But when when you're officiating, it's changing and dictating the tones of games in the way that it, it does sometimes. The NBA has to hold these refs to a different standard, whether that means sending them to more training, whether that means, I don't know if you what type of reprimanding, but when you when when you have whole games dictated and the tone of those games changed by the ref, the officiating, the fact that the officiating is so inconsistent from game to game in the NBA, and while you have different teams of refs, different matchups of refs and things like that, that's always going to be there to a degree, but like a foul should be a foul, right? Or you have the certain refs that you just know if you pay attention have grudges against certain players. You have certain refs that you know, hey, we're coming in tonight. We got this ref. They're not going to call anything down low. We can just go to work. We're going to be battling down there. Like there needs to be more consistency. There needs to be some ownership. There needs to be some onus on these refs to be consistent and not miss these calls. I've already said one thing that I would love the NBA to go to is every buzzer beater be reviewed. And not just review it for if they got it off in time, to review it to see if there was a foul, to review it to see if there was an illegal screen, to review everything to just to say, hey, before this game is decided on this play, let's review everything and then let's come back and make our decision. I'd like things like that need to happen with this NBA. The officiating is too all over the place, and that's just not for the Bulls, right? Let's be fair here. This is one thing overall in the NBA 
that it's that that it's 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 getting to a point, and it's always been this, right? That it's just it's so dictated. So many games are changed by how the referees feel that night, and that needs to, to me for me. I would love to see that fixed for the NBA. Now let's get into this last voicemail for today. Um, this one is from the three one two. Hey, what's up, man? Um, I, I, the Bulls have this thing where they try to make players play out of position. I don't even think Patrick Williams is a power forward at all. Alex Caruso is not a shooting guard. He's not a shooter. We need a shooter and a real power forward. And Wendell, I was just listening to your, your show. Wendell, I will move him if I was to play him and keep him if, if he was still here with Booch. I will put him at power forward. And then with some bigger teams like, like Cleveland beat us, with their bench with three big men. Three big men outplayed our bench. Three veteran big men outplayed our young bench. So it's, it's, it's that thing with me, like, get, get a real power forward. Get some real shooters. You know, that's, that's the thing with the Bulls. Like with Derrick Rose, they never went and got him that two-guard that his running mate. They never went and got him. They forced Jimmy to be a two-guard. He became a two-guard. You know, he's a, he could play the the three and all that, but they they always forcing these players out of position. They never went and got the piece they need, and right now we need a big shot-blocking power forward. He don't have to be a scorer, but he has to rebound and block shots. And Patrick Williams, he, he's thick, but he's, he's still short. He's still not. He's only 6'7 compared to guys at 6'10 and 6'11, you know? So it, to me, he's playing out of out of position to me, and I think that's his problem there. But all right, I, I love your show, man. Love you, man. Keep doing what you do. God bless you. All right, and you hear this a lot about playing out of position, things like this. So I looked up some research. Right, the average height of the power forward in the last fifteen years has moved down from six eleven to six eight, and if it keeps trending this way with smaller players playing power forward, it's going to be six seven and a half probably within the next year. Patrick Williams can absolutely be a power forward in this league. Has he been yet? No. And I think that's more because of his mentality. He has the physicals. He has the wingspan. He has the height. There's a guy kind of down in, in Golden State that, you know, Drummond, who Patrick Williams is technically bigger than. I think he has a larger wingspan than two. They're about the same height. Pa Patrick Williams can be a power forward in this league. It's not necessarily he's not a power forward. To me, it's his, his, his mindset needs to be that of a power forward. Once Patrick Williams realizes how physical he can be and that he can rely on that in this game, I think he'll be a fine power forward in this league, especially with the way that the game is going, right? The fact of the matter is, whether we agree with it, whether we disagree with it, the game has changed. Over the last 15, 20 years, the game has changed. We are truly moving to positionless basketball. And one of the more interesting things is that it seems like the NBA is starting to gear their play style more towards casual fans because playing small ball, having shooting at every position is just something that it makes the game more exciting for casuals. And that may be something that I talk about over on NBA Central. By the way, shameless plug, go and check out my general NBA channel, NBA Central. If you go to the channels tab on YouTube, you can click it because if you search NBA Central, it'll be it'll be difficult to find. But nonetheless, that's maybe that's a topic I bring over there. It's like, is the NBA now gearing more towards casual fans than People who've been fans of basketball for decades and decades. One of the things that I thought about in after listening to this voicemail is if my grandfather, for example, right, who watched basketball in the late 80s to early 90s, if, if he stopped watching in the early 90s, stopped and then all of a sudden picked up a game today and saw players like Nikola Jokic, saw players like, uh, you know, that stretch the floor, like, like a Draymond Green, 
uh, bigs that bigs that shoot like Demarcus Cousin when he was in his prime. Anthony, oh Anthony, my grandfather would be so frustrated by Anthony Davis. But like how different the game would be to them if you just took it, if you watched your last game in the '90s and you just picked it up and all of a sudden watched basketball today, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? Like what is this? Like are they are they playing defense? Like did he just shoot it from from almost half court? Like. The game is changing, whether we agree with it, whether we like it or not. The game is changing. It is evolving towards positionless basketball. And as far as Alex Caruso being the shooting guard, you know, when Zach's out, they're starting him for his defense because he's a veteran, things like that. And Kobe hasn't been consistent with shooting either. I don't think they view him as a shooting guard. Uh, Caruso is just a guard because he can defend so many positions. And that's what we're seeing the NBA go to. It's more so you play what you can defend. And Caruso being able to defend as many positions as he has, he's going to play all over the court. Now, as far as some of the historical things he said, Jimmy Butler, I had to do some research on that. Jimmy Butler's actual first full season playing um, small forward was the season, his last season here when we had Dwayne Wade. As far as the Bulls not getting uh, Derrick Rose, the shooting guard he needed next to him, we did technically get it. His name was Marco Bellinelli, but Derrick Rose ended up being hurt that whole season, and the Bulls then decided, hey, we don't want to go into the luxury tax. Let's sell everything off. Um... But Marco Bellinelli, the fact that we never got to see Marco Bellinelli next to a healthy Derrick Rose, I think if that would have if that would have happened, we would have changed our whole mindset. And we still had Jimmy Butler on the team at that point. That would have been a team to watch, man. But at the end of the day, you know, to this caller's point, the game is just changing. And like I said, not necessarily saying that I agree with it, but I understand it. This is just the way that the league is going. The last 10 years, we've been slowly moving more towards positionless basketball. And as that becomes a thing, shooting at every every position is going to be more needed. You're going to see players playing smaller. You look at the look at the height of some of the power forwards just in the playoffs last season. This whole thing of it being based off height, it's over with. That's done. As much as some people don't want to admit it, as much as some people don't like it, as much as some people don't agree with it, that's just where we are now as a league. It is what it is. Patrick Williams can be a power forward in this league. His mindset has to catch up with his body. But even taking that away, when you look at it, Billy Donovan, the way that he uses the power forward in this offense is very similar to how small forwards were used traditionally. So even that being said, the back to the, the back to the basket power forwards are all but gone almost in the NBA. You have some of those that specialize in that and have that as part of their game. But power forwards have to do so much more than what they did before. It's not just rebounding and being a big man and being a slightly smaller center that can maybe shoot a mid-range, whereas the center just operated down low. Those days are over and gone with, again, not saying that you have to agree with it, but that's just where we are. It's not just the Bulls. This caller trying to make it seem like it's just the Bulls. It's not just the Bulls, period. It's not. When you look at Al Horford, even being somebody who played center for so long and his coach at that time when he was in Atlanta was like, hell, if I could play Horford at the four, he'd dominate. But he has to play at the five because of the way our roster shook, shaking up. You mentioned Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter at the four would be exposed every single night because he has no lateral quickness. And with the rest of the it, – it's, it's easy in a vacuum to just say, oh, I would start Wendell Carter next to Vooch. But he has to guard the way the other teams are playing. And because the other teams are using more mobile play, players – at the power forward, Wendell Carter would be exposed against a lot of fours in today's NBA. He gets exposed against some modern fives. It's just not the. It's not what you think it is, in my opinion. Again, you guys can let me know what you think about it down below. Um, but yeah, but that's it for today's episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you also follow uh, NBA Central and Chicago Bears Central. Follow all the channels. Just support there. We are on our way to 10K uh, subscribers on this channel. We'll be doing a major giveaway once we hit it. So make sure if you're watching this video, Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. And still see red, y'all. Peace.
Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.